This is Meg Tilton at the Eight Cow Life, episode number 46, Miracles and Tender Mercies, my second interview with Emily Hepworth discussing the birth of her son, Ethan, who has Down syndrome. This is the Eight Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose a place to help you realize how important you are and that this place we call earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Okay, today I am back with Emily Hepworth and I am continuing a conversation that we had a couple months ago before the birth of her son, Ethan, who has Down syndrome. Well, Ethan is here, and since I'm on video chat, you podcasters are missing this, I get to look at him, and he is really one of the cutest babies I've seen. And I'm not one who says that babies are cute. (laughs) Like, I'll be like, that baby ugly. (laughs) I've said that about my own kids. So anyway, so welcome back to the podcast, Emily. Thanks. And they they will get to hear him because... He is constantly congested, and so he snorts. So. Nice, awesome. <laughs> so the whole year. But you say, yeah. But you say he doesn't cry very much. That's amazing. Oh, rare. It's a rare day that he cries. Um, wow. A few things get him crying. Uh, a pillow in the face from his two-year-old brother, uh-huh. um, and that's mostly just like he's shocked. Um, and then sometimes during physical therapy, mm-hmm. when he's over it all, he will right. cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, that, that seems good. angelic to me, a baby who never yeah. cries. <laughs> Sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last time we talked, you were pregnant with Ethan. And now, he. how old is he now? He will be five months on the 21st of this month. Okay. So I know he was more than four months. Okay. So I know he was born super early, wasn't he? Nine weeks. Nine Nine weeks weeks early. So you were 31 weeks Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. him. And was that kind of a shocking uh, thing or was it like, yeah, we know we're going to have him. We're going to go have him. Or was it like an emergency thing? Because it seemed like one day you're like, everything's great. And the next you're like, we have a baby. (laughs) So I was like, yeah. So um we knew there was a possibility for an early birth mm-hmm. because uh babies with down syndrome are often born stillborn and or early not all babies with down syndrome but that is a common thing so i was going to a perinatal specialist i was going prior to knowing he had down syndrome because of my age but then when i found out he was down syndrome he had down syndrome they had me start coming pretty regularly and then at 30 weeks they had me coming every week i was supposed to come every week and they were going to run certain specific tests mm-hmm. and no one really ever told me what those tests were for or but i kind of just concluded that the purpose was to just check for early signs of labor and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. We had a scheduled C-section for 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. And because that's when my first son's 
C-section was scheduled for him when he was born, I just in my head just was like, okay, I'm going to have this baby at 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. So when we went in um, for just my regular weekly checkup Mm -hmm. and that's not how it turned out, I was a little, I was a little bit shocked. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, my college roommate, Kim, who -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, is a OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And so she had sent me early on in the, in my pregnancy some information about um, babies with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things is um, uh, your placenta gives out. Mm, okay. And I had asked during the ultrasounds about the placenta mm-hmm. and because – you know, when you have an ultrasound every week mm-hmm. or every month, even you kind of start to know and recognize things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so two times before I started going every week, I started noticing that I thought my placenta, like the liquid looked less and less and less. And I asked and they always just were like, no, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. You mean your amniotic fluid? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what they meant by that is it's fine for a baby with Down syndrome. Well, let me back up. So at 30 weeks when I went in, they do, um, I can't even remember the name of the test, but basically they do an ultrasound and they do all these measurements and all this stuff. And then they put you in and they strap you into like this heart monitor thing and they measure in a certain amount of time how much how many times the baby's heart rate accelerates with movement Uh and within like a 10 minute time, it has to do so many times. Mm -hmm. Well, um, at 30 weeks when we went in and did that, he was like a, a moving crazy machine. Like we went in there, boom, boom, boom. And he was done. Mm -hmm. All I had to do was drink some cold water. And all of a sudden he's just moving all around and I was out. Mm-hmm. So the next week I couldn't bring William to those appointments. So I had asked my dad to come and stay with William. And I said to my dad, it's going to be like an hour tops. This is what I've got to do. I said, um, so by the time I get there and get back, it'll be like maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, great. So I took the car with the car seats. Um, and, uh, went to my appointment and they did the heart monitor first Mm -hmm. and he did nothing. I mean, his heart was beating, he was moving, but it was very minimal amount Mm -hmm. of movement. So um, they, they had me in there for like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then finally they went and did the ultrasound. And I asked the tech again about, the amniotic fluid, mm-hmm. no, not the amniotic fluid. I asked about the size of the placenta because mm-hmm. they measured the size of the placenta okay. and it looked smaller to me. Uh-huh. And she said, you'll have to ask the doctor. So then the doctor came in and the doctor said, I asked her and she didn't really respond. She was like, it's fine. And so then I asked, so then she said, you know, he's, he's technically qualified like, but it's just not like last time. So we're going to put you back on the monitor. So mm-hmm. This is like 
three hours later. Right. So I'm texting my dad and telling him I'm so sorry, you know. Right. So she comes in. And meanwhile, lots of people are coming in. Mm-hmm. Lots of techs, lots of nurses. They're all checking on me. And I'm like, this is kind of strange. She came back in and she said, you know, we're just not getting what we want to see. And I knew. I knew because I had been there the week before and saw. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was not, his heart rate was not jumping like that. Mm-hmm. So she said, we're going to go ahead, send you next door to the hospital, give you the shot, the steroid shot for lungs. Mm-hmm. And I said, am I having this baby today? And she said, oh, no, 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 no. And she said, I just think he needs to be monitored more and the steroid shot should help. Mm-hmm. And so um, she said, we'll give you the steroid shot. We'll keep you on the monitor. We'll send you home. You'll come back tomorrow, get the second steroid shot. Okay. Said, okay, great. So I text my parents, tell them all of that. I got over there. They started monitoring me. And I don't know why, but I just had this, like, feeling that I needed a blessing. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just felt like something was mm-hmm. off and I wasn't being told the full story or mm-hmm. there was something more here. Well, my dad was at home without a car seat to bring my son to the hospital to give me a blessing. My husband was at work by himself across town. And my mom was at work without a car because my dad had the car. My parents worked together. Okay. So I called uh, up the street from our hospital is a good childhood friend Uh that lives up the street and they have nine kids and mm-hmm. and so I called him and I just said, Do you happen to be at home? He owns his own business and he often works from home. Mm-hmm. And uh he said, No, what's going on? And I said, I'm at the hospital. Um, I, I need a blessing. And he said, Well, my son, who I used to babysit, mm-hmm. who is home from a mission mm-hmm. and home from BYU. Mm-hmm. because he's getting married is at home and which by the way um let me back up this family lives in honduras mm-hmm. but they happen to be home for this son's wedding okay so i called him and or he said let me text colton and see if he can come over mm-hmm. and at the same time that i texted trent and was waiting to hear from trent i'd also texted my best friend whose dad is the temple president And they live in a house right by the temple, which is right by the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I just texted her and said, by any chance, is your dad Mm -hmm. not working at the temple today? And it was a Wednesday and Wednesday mornings, the temple is open, but Wednesday afternoon, it's closed. Well, by this time, it's Wednesday afternoon, Mm -hmm. but they're often at the temple anyway. And she Mm -hmm. said, actually, they're home. And so I told her the situation and said, would you ask him if he could give me a blessing? So at the same time, I hear back from Colton and her dad. Mm -hmm. So they both come up to the temple or up to the hospital and they gave me a blessing. And while they were giving me a blessing, basically the nurse came in and said, yeah, we're keeping you overnight for observation. Mm -hmm. What's going on? You know, right. In, in the blessing that President Oracle gave me, it was a little disconcerting mm-hmm. because he said, you know, we bless that it if it's something along these lines, if it's 
thy will that this pregnancy will will result in a viable baby. Mm -hmm. And the way he said that, I just thought, there is a chance this isn't going to happen. So I called my parents, which and told told them what was happening, which um, the mission or the temple president and his wife took my car Mm -hmm. to my house so Mm -hmm. my dad would have a car seat. Mm -hmm. He went and got my mom. No, a coworker brought my mom to my house Mm -hmm. and they came over with my, with William. Mm -hmm. And then when Clark got, I mean, by this time it's after work hours. Right. So uh, Clark came over and the admitting nurse uh, was LDS or the labor and delivery nurse, I should say. And she was super sweet. And I think she knew I was scared Mm because she kept saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So that night they just monitored the baby. And then the next morning, interestingly enough, I never saw my OBGYN, never, Mm -hmm. or anybody from the OBGYN's office. Nobody came in. Hmm. So the whole time I kept thinking, well, this must not be that big a deal because they've never come to see me. Right. So the next morning, the perinatal specialist came in and she said, again, technically he's met the standards, but just something is, is bothering me. Mm-hmm. And she said, we want to wait and give you the second steroid shot, which would be about three o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then, then I'll have you come back over to my office and we'll run the tests again. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. The new nurse for the morning shift came on and she happened to be LDS again, a different Mm -hmm. nurse. And Mm -hmm. she happened to know my parents and I know her in-laws really Mm -hmm. well. And so, um, she's talking to me, she leaves, she's telling me the plan. She comes back. It's about 10 o'clock when she comes back and she's got a wheelchair. And she said, I just got a call from Dr. McFarland's office. That's the perinatal specialist. Mm -hmm. He wants you to come right now. I'm like, that's not what the plan was. She goes, I know. She said, she just wants you to come. So they wheeled me over there and uh, they started the test. And then lots of people kept coming in to check Mm -hmm. on me. And I thought, this is really weird. And um, one of the nurses from the first test the week before came in and she'd been really sweet and mm-hmm. she said uh, uh, no I guess the the doctor came in first and the doctor's just like uh, we're going to deliver this baby today mm-hmm. and I just kind of looked at her and she said I just don't like what I see mm-hmm. she said um, your placenta is almost gone Mm -hmm. and she said we need to deliver this baby today and I said well my husband is across town about 45 minutes does he have time to get here and she said call him right now and tell him to come right now Mm -hmm. so she left and then this nurse came in and the nurse was like I want you to know that Dr. McFarland came to me and said, I just can't get Emily Hepworth off my mind. I've got some time. We need to have her come over right now. Mm-hmm. 
And um, she said, Dr. McFarland will make sure that, that this baby is okay. So they wheeled me back over there. And I was at this point crying. I was a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. The nurse who was LDS that knew my family was just so, so good. Mm-hmm. And she just kept saying, Emily, God, God knows. Mm-hmm. He's in control. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my parents got there and then Clark got there. The doctor who delivered, I did not like my OBGYN from the Mm get-go. So we are self-paid, so we had paid ahead of time, so I had to take her. Mm -hmm. We kept praying she wouldn't be on call when I had the baby. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that the doctor who was on call was the, um, he happened to be the the head of the hospitals uh, for at-risk pregnancies. Mm -hmm. He was so good. Mm -hmm. He was so calm. He was so nice. Mm -hmm. um, It just so happened that the uh, uh, anesthesiologist had been a pediatrician for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So he told me everything that they were doing to Ethan as they were doing it and knew all about it. So they told me at noon or twelve thirty that he was going to be born, and he came at two forty-one. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother, my dad had already left and taken William. Mm-hmm. My brother had gotten there um, right after he was born, or right before he was born, and um, he was able to go with Clark and give him a blessing right away Mm -hmm. and um they told us that morning that he was probably gonna weigh about three and a half pounds Mm -hmm. and he weighed four pounds nine ounces Mm -hmm. so they were totally (laughs) off (laughs) it's all those brownies you were eating yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and then they also um uh, he had known that his heart was good or had thought his heart was good based off of ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the hospital does things, the neonatologist on call, mm-hmm. just the random person on call gets assigned your baby. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to choose. And everyone had told us, our friends, um, Trent and Courtney, who I called for the blessing, they mm-hmm. had twins that were born early mm-hmm. they knew one of the neonatologists from their experience and he happened to be lds but not active for years and years and years mm-hmm. and so they kept saying oh you want him you want him and he wasn't there so we were kind of bummed but the man we got was truly the best neonatologist in the city not by accident got him like i know that he we got him because we needed him and so it was just one of those things where everything that happened, mm-hmm. we saw God's hand mm-hmm. in everything. And if we hadn't have had a doctor like Dr. McFarland, who was so, whether she knew it or not, mm-hmm. in tune with the spirit, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Ethan 
and we wouldn't and we would not have had probably could have easily not had me too because it was a a very dangerous situation for both of us and the doctor who delivered ethan said please don't be offended by this emily and i was like you know i'm drugged laying there as (laughs) i'm like oh great that's never a good way to start and he goes your uterus is junk he's like it's it's garbage and he said it's done its job but it's done mm-hmm. and he said it it couldn't have lasted any longer than this mm-hmm. or ethan mm-hmm. and so we feel very blessed everything from the nurses to the doctors like it was everything it was just mm-hmm. god's hand to even if it was something as simple as somebody that might knew my family Mm-hmm. that was there when I got the news that could hug me and say, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because going to have a baby under normal conditions is stressful and <laughs> scary yeah. a little bit as it is. So going in, having all of these predetermined problems that are very potential that could be very dangerous. And he also has Down syndrome, which carries its issues as well. I mean, I can imagine how stressful that would be. But in some ways, are you glad they didn't really say anything until the end? Or do you wish they would have said something earlier? Um, I think I kind of knew, but I just think I didn't really want to know if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad they didn't because I think I would have been a stress case. I mean, the morning that I went over there after spending the night being observed in the hospital, Mm -hmm. As soon as they did the ultrasound, I knew. I knew I could see how drastically different from just the morning before's ultrasound. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like from this much to like this much. And I could see a difference. So I knew as soon as I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't mm-hmm. go into greater detail than they did with me mm-hmm. before that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he was born and everything was fine in the, you know, he came, he was alive, you're alive. Everybody was taken Mm -hmm. care of. And then he was taken to the NICU and you got Mm -hmm. to spend a long time in the NICU. 88 days. But (laughs) reality is that's not as long as some. (laughs) Yes, that is true. It's definitely longer than we expected. Um, Our doctor told us to expect until his due date, which was his actual due date was February 20, 21st, I think. Uh Um, or no, February 19th. Yeah. I was going to say, no, it was my birthday, which is February 19th. Yeah. Yeah. That was his actual due date. And so that's kind of when we expected him to come home, Mm -hmm. but he was doing so well, like everything he was doing early, like he got off the CPAP, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the CPAP bubble uh, oxygen mm-hmm. early. He, he was only on that for like two days. Mm-hmm. He got off regular oxygen early. Mm-hmm. Um, he got out of the, the incubator and off the lights and everything earlier than they expected. So mm-hmm. the first time we, we tried nursing, he just latched on and nursed. Now, that in and of itself is an old story or a different story because I – say, I just have old boobs. Like I don't do, I don't make enough to support 
I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, And so, but surprisingly, I was actually doing better Mm -hmm. when I pumped with this baby than I did with William, but it still wasn't enough. And there's also no way of knowing what he's getting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we started the bottle earlier than we expected and he sucked and ate and blah. I mean, just everything was good. Health wise. I joked with the neonatologist. He was the healthiest baby in the NICU. I mean, he really, really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just could not. At our NICU, um, speech has a lot of say in how things mm-hmm. go. Speech. And every baby aspirates in their opinion. Mm-hmm. So they would feed him and they would say, oh, my gosh, he's aspirating. And mm-hmm. I would feed him and I would be like, well, he looks like he's doing great to me. <laughs> The nurses would feed him and and they would say, oh, he looks great. So we had a date to go home like a week before his due date. Mm-hmm. And speech started talking to us about a G-tube. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't get this. He's, he's drinking a bottle and yeah, it's not a lot, but he's, the doctor's saying he's eating 60% of what he should. So we're, he'd send him home. And so right before they were supposed to send him home the Monday before Mm -hmm. of the week that they were going to send him home, they did a swallow study and he Mm -hmm. was aspirating. So they took him off the tube or off the bottle Mm -hmm. and wouldn't let him drink from a bottle at all. And so we had that set back and then we started doing well again. And then um, I came in one day and they said, Oh, we've moved his tube, the tube, it's put in deeper the more he grows. Mm-hmm. And his nurse, uh, who we loved and who took care of him, was his primary care nurse. Mm-hmm. And had a really stressful day. A baby screamed. It was her third day in a row with Ethan and two other babies that screamed nonstop. One was a drug baby. Um, one was a baby that was had had some serious surgeries and was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just sitting there, I was like unnerved. Right. And I was taking care of this healthy baby, you know. Right. So she came in and she said, oh, he's grown. We've moved his tube. And she told me the measurement. And I was like, isn't that shorter? And I said, shouldn't it get longer? Like, shouldn't it go deeper? Mm-hmm. And she said, nope, nope. And, and she explained it away. And I was naive and stupid and whatever. Well, needless to say, uh, it was wrong. And mm-hmm. so for about a week, no nurse noticed it. Mm-hmm. No nurse recognized it. And I was sitting there one day and the charge nurse came in and he was spitting up a lot and he wasn't eating very much and he was struggling. Mm-hmm. And the charge nurse came in and she she just walked by and she looked over and I don't know what she saw, but she was like, I'm going to measure. Mm-hmm. And she measured and it was really, really, really short. Mm -hmm. So it was not even at the top of his stomach. So that was a setback. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, that's the first time I realized that I have to like be a fighter like no other. Mm -hmm. So I went Mm -hmm. in and raised some holy, holy terror. (laughs) Holy crapola. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The poor charge nurse who I loved and adored. Mm -hmm. um, She was like, 
she saw me coming and she knew and she was like, I think I'm going to start crying. And I was like, you better not because this yeah. is not the time for you to cry. This is the time for you to come up with a solution. Right. And so that's when we got put on a special plan <laughs> where we had specific nurses. Uh-huh. Um, and it wasn't just that. Um, we were getting, because he was so healthy and because I was there frequently, we were getting any nurse that came in. Like right. they were short nurses. So we would get a pediatric nurse who had never worked in NICU ever. Right. right. And I had a nurse throw his bottle away and then take it out of the trash to use it. Um, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You won't let my two-year-old come in here because of germs, but you're going to give him something out of the trash? You know? <laughs> So we just had a few setbacks like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got on the plan and speech still talked a lot about the G tube, Mm -hmm. which we weren't opposed to it, but we wanted that to be a last resort Mm -hmm. because babies with down syndrome struggle with coming in and out of um, sedation. Mm -hmm. And um, so our doctor also was like, this is a last resort. And he kept telling us, 44 weeks, because in the NICU, they count everything by gestational weeks, even though you're never pregnant for 44 weeks. Right. Um, and he just kept saying something. He's like, he'll be ready at 44 weeks. He just kept saying that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah. no, no, we, we want it <laughs> earlier than that. Um, we had, um, we had another interesting setback where a nurse, uh, we had, we had made it so, only speech or myself could feed. And I came in one day and a nurse had fed him and kind of force fed him. And so he didn't eat anything for like two days. He just Mm -hmm. wouldn't eat anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's when um, I had to get totally (laughs) ape again. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we called a meeting with our neonatal and speech again was like, you need to realize you're getting a G tube. You're getting a G tube. You just mm-hmm. have to come to terms with that. So we called a meeting with our doctor, the director of nursing and speech and physical therapy and occupational th- and everybody who ever touched Ethan mm-hmm. all was in this room. Mm-hmm. And so was the social worker who actually became a very good friend Mm-hmm. She lives around the corner for, from us, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. And uh, we had a meeting and basically the doctor said, we're done with this. And Emily has asked for a while now if Ethan maybe just is not hungry. So that's why he doesn't really eat much. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pull the tube and he's going to eat or he's not. And we'll know it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, when are we doing this? And he was like, right now. And you need to be prepared to be here 24 hours a day so that you can help with the demand. Cause it was basically when he wants, how much he wants. Mm-hmm. And he was in complete control of that. So that's kind of what we did. Um, so I moved into the NICU, mm-hmm. slept in a recliner for three weeks. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, everyone was very, very nervous. I mean, I had people that I didn't even really know. 
come up to me and they were like, so hold the tube. How do you feel about this? You know? <laughs> it had never been done. And the nurses were nervous mm-hmm. because he would go five, six, seven hours and not eat anything. And then he would eat right. this huge volume of food. Right. And it still is kind of like that. Right. Um, well, but- NICUs, NICUs are very regimented, right? Yes. On purpose. I think mm-hmm. because you're taking care of so many babies and you need to make sure everybody's fed at the same time. They did the same thing with Ellie, who was in the NICU for three weeks when she was born. She had a G-tube too, because they're like, yeah, she's her suck reflex and her swallow reflex aren't great. And I was like, I think it's because she has a tube down her throat. Like she doesn't want to swallow. And she pulled it out one night. She pulled it out on her own. Oh yeah, they pull it out all the time. And um, she ate her bottle. So I said to the nurse, I do not want that G-tube put back in. Like, let's just leave it out. We left and came back the next day. And uh, the nurse who was on, she had been assigned to her all the time because I didn't know that you could request different nurses. I didn't know this. And I, this nurse just was terrible. She like stressed me out. She would say all these things. I'm like, what, what, what? And she had ordered it to be back, put back in. And so when I got there, Ellie had it back in. And my mom was with me and she was fuming, fuming. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay. And then she ended up ripping it out. And I said, it's not going back in. Don't you dare put that thing back in. And of course, and she that, ate. it was fine. That's one of the things I I learned about the NICU is there are some people, not everybody, but some people that feel like parents do not have rights mm-hmm. in the NICU. And our social worker kept saying to me, Emily, you have to fight. You Mm -hmm. have to fight for what you want. Mm -hmm. So the day I, the first like come to Jesus meeting I had, (laughs) I called the social worker in first. I said, let me tell you, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say some things and they're going to call you up and say that mother's irate. You need to go talk to her. And I said, let me just tell you, I am very sane right now. Uh-huh. And so she was like, good, you need to, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I say G tube, he always had the tube. The up nose. His oh, down okay. What is a G tube? They exactly? wanted the, a G tube in his stomach, which oh. is a tube that goes from his, like you, right. it's external. Right. Um, and it's a surgery. And it's a surgery yeah. and it's a pretty serious surgery. But we were fortunate that our doctor, and when I say our doctor was very good, I, I mean, everybody that found out we had him was like, you're so lucky. You're so blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he was a very different, like at first I was kind of like, this guy's a little, socially a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in his probably 50s or 60s, um, a tall Muslim Pakistani man, very socially awkward, mm-hmm. but he called me every single day, every single day, and would stop by. And if he had called me before he stopped by or vice versa, he always would say the same things, but he always stopped in, even if he had just talked to me on the phone. Mm-hmm. He always stopped in and talked to me. He was very loving. Um, at one point I said, if this was your child, what would you do? And he just looked at me just as clear as could be and said, Emily, he is my child. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 
no life but the NICU. Mm-hmm. He would say, I'm not going to be here for a couple of days. And then the next day I'd see him and I'd be like, oh, I thought you weren't going to be here. Well, I have very sick babies I have to check on. And he would say, he told me at the end, he said, Ethan has been my very hardest case. And I was like, really? He's like so healthy. You know, right. like what? But he did not follow the regimen, his, his plan. And mm-hmm. he has a plan. I mean, he, he knows how to grow babies mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. just grow babies. He has had babies born at 23 weeks that go home after they've been there for, I don't know how long, but for a while they go home without oxygen. They go home without heart monitors. They go home without G tubes feeding on their own. Mm-hmm. They've never had a brain bleed, which at that young, that's like unheard of. Mm-hmm. They, you know, their eyes are good. He mm-hmm. will sit at a, at a, at a, an incub. I don't even know what they call it, but he will sit at like one of those bassinets mm-hmm. and like fiddle with the oxygen and just sit there all night long mm-hmm. on his very sick babies. Mm-hmm. And no other doctor does that. The developmental pediatrician told us that at milestones, you go into the developmental pediatrician and they run mm-hmm. all these tests and she said she started noticing that there were some babies that were very different than other babies. They all had one thing in common. They were all his babies and they were leaps and bounds mm-hmm. above any other babies at their milestone visits. Mm-hmm. And so we felt very blessed that he was our baby, our, our neonatologist. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he called us three times after we came home mm-hmm. and my pediatrician was like, he called and talked to me for like two hours. She's like, nobody does that. <laughs> right. The last time he called, he heard him in the background because mm-hmm. he, he's not a quiet child. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit of noise. And um, doctor, his name was Dr. Zia. And he said, is that Ethan? And I said, yes. And he was like, can you hear me? And I said, yes. And then he got real quiet. And then he goes, I guess he doesn't need me anymore. That's what he's trying to tell me. And it was just kind of, in a way, kind of sad. Yeah. Um, But we did invite, um, we felt very strongly. At one point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was exhausted for one thing. Sleeping in a recliner for three weeks doesn't really cut it. And I would come home for like three to four hours um, Mm -hmm. to spend a few minutes with William. Mm-hmm. And between people taking care of him, shifts. Mm-hmm. One night I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I told Clark, I was like, I just don't know how much more I can take. And I was driving to the NICU and I was crying and I was just pleading with the Lord, like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a very strong impression that Ethan is not here for us he's not he's he's here for us to share Mm -hmm. he's not our baby Mm -hmm. and the reason he's in the NICU is for the people there and I can't tell you how many people loved our child from Dr. Zia to nurses and physical therapists and the desk, front desk of the NICU people mm-hmm. um, and the volunteer grandmas mm-hmm. who should have been holding other babies, but I would catch them holding mine 
And, you know, I told Clark about that and he said, you know, it's very interesting. He said, I have often felt through this that we need to use Ethan as a missionary tool. Mm-hmm. And so we invited everybody from the NICU that we mm-hmm. had any relationship with to his blessing at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. And the social worker took Dr. Zia his invitation. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, he opened it up and he saw, we wrote a, hand no- a handwritten note in there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said he instantly got out his calendar and was like looking and she said are you checking to see if you're off and he goes maybe you know, like he does he didn't ever like anyone to know that he you know might have this special love <laughs> you know, might might make people think he was a softy or something. right yeah but she said when he found out he was working he goes i might have to do something about this <laughs> So um, we'll see. I mean, maybe yeah. no one will come, but maybe somebody will. And, yeah. um, you know, it's so we feel like it wasn't just for kicks and giggles that he was in there. Because like yeah. I said, he was a little child. Yeah. <laughs> interestingly enough, at 44 weeks to the day. That's when he we, came home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Zia said, I told you 44 weeks. <laughs> We're like, nah. <laughs> He's Aren't like, you? listen to me. <laughs> Okay, so that's a really awesome story. I really relate well to NICU stories because I had a baby in the NICU. And so there's just certain things that you don't quite understand unless you have a baby in there. I didn't yeah. have, she was in there for three weeks. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's very taxing. And, you know, she was our first. So that was kind of lucky. Like, I didn't have anything else to do, you know, like, <laughs> okay, I'll go to the hospital. And when our second was born, he, we brought him, cause we brought her home from the NICU and they had her on such a schedule. She slept through the night. Yes. Like it was three weeks old, slept through the night. I'm like, well, that's awesome. You know, we brought our second child home and he screamed the first night. And I turned to my husband and was like, uh, can we go put him in the NICU? Because he needs to be put on a schedule. <laughs> So in that sense, I loved it. Like it was, there's lots of great things about the NICU that really help you when you get home, actually, because the the baby's trained in a lot of ways, which is nice. So, okay. So he's home now. And how has it been having him in your family? Good. Um, We were a little worried about William just Mm -hmm. because for the whole three months that he was in the hospital, William never saw him face to face Mm -hmm. because it was flu and RSV season. So nobody under 13 was Mm -hmm. allowed in the NICU. Right. Um, But we did FaceTime and stuff. So he knew there was a baby, but sometimes I don't think he really knew it was real. Mm -hmm. So we were a little nervous. And the day I brought him home, Clark was here. My parents were here. William was here. And uh, he was so excited and he was so good and came running with, kept bringing him all of his toys, mm-hmm. you know, like his mm-hmm. favorites, you know, mm-hmm. here, this is for you. And here, this is for you. And the first couple of days were very uh, euphoric. And then it went more. <laughs> like a honeymoon and then yep we're, we're yeah, done the first couple of days i was like this is so easy i can do this he loves he loves ethan but sometimes that love is too much mm-hmm. you know, like he's caught like i think he probably kisses ethan three million times a day 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the NICU has me has me a little germ, mm-hmm. you know, freaked. Right. And so I was like, da, 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 da. You know, <laughs> um, babies with Down syndrome are a little more, uh, not a little more, but they're, they have, they're a little immune deficient. And so mm-hmm. that makes me a little nervous. Right. But I've just kind of come to realize that it is what it is. And I, everyone's like, don't let him touch his face. Don't, yeah, you, you, you go right ahead and work on that. One with him. Right. <laughs> I had a pediatrician one time tell me, you should never drink out of the same cup as your child. And I was like, do you have children? Like, <laughs> <laughs> my cup is their cup. Right, exactly. And if I tell them, no, it's really their cup. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, thanks for the advice, but yeah. Whatever. I live in the real world. <laughs> right. So tell us what he's like. I know he's five months, but what's he like? He is a very sweet, happy, loving baby. I know this is going to maybe sound crazy, but he is almost five months, but they tell you not really because he was nine weeks mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. But he, there are some things that he does very much on schedule, like mm-hmm. what a normal or a typical, I shouldn't say normal, that's not PC, Um, a typical developing baby would do. But then there are other things that he doesn't. Um, So he doesn't have a whole lot of head control. Mm -hmm. So in that way, he's still very much like a newborn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, He's he's pretty small for his his age. Mm -hmm. He still wears three months. And Mm -hmm. I think there are some newborns I could even probably get him in. Mm-hmm. which I shouldn't be happy about that. But in a way, because I didn't have a typical newborn experience, mm-hmm. I like the fact that I'm still getting the littleness of him, the littleness of him, mm-hmm. uh, because that was one of the things that I felt very cheated mm-hmm. with, with him being in the NICU is I didn't get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so, but he's very, I mean, he smiles all the time. He coos, mm-hmm. um, which doctors are like, whoa, he's, he's talking. And that's not typical mm-hmm. of babies with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, with Down syndrome, can they test how much of the extra chromosome they got? It's not, there are three types. Okay. Um, and so he has just the traditional trisomy 21. Okay. Um, and there are other types and uh, mosaic is one and mosaic and they do test. Uh-huh. That's how we know he has trisomy. Um, uh-huh. Mosaic. And I don't remember the third one. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a book that I could really look it up if you really are that interested, but um, uh-huh. the mosaic not all of their chromosomes, they're 20, not all, there's not a repeat of all of their chromosomes. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, that kind of is, I think what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but there's even, even with trisomy 21 mosaic there, not every down syndrome baby is the same. Right. Uh, well, cause to me, like if I look at him, like in some of the original pictures, I was like, he doesn't look like he has down syndrome. Like I actually, when he was born, I was like, maybe they got that lucky yeah. couple percent that maybe he didn't have it, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I look at him now, I mean, you can tell, but he's not like, yeah, he, 
Um, he has some Down syndrome features. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the beginning, I mean, we we had very much come to terms before he was born. Like right. I, I knew. Yeah. Right. I, I mentioned that in the last one. Right. Um, and there was a night when we were driving home from my parents. We picked up William and my husband said, uh, and he was still wearing a mask and oxygen mm-hmm. mask and all that. And we were waiting for the results to come back. And um, it was like two days before the results came in. Mm-hmm. And my husband said, you know, I didn't think he has it. And it made me very angry. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at him and I said, no, we know he has this. We came to terms with it a long time ago. I don't need you saying this Mm -hmm. now. And so when the results come in, then I'm going to be upset because Mm -hmm. I know the, I I don't need the results to know he has this. Mm -hmm. And that night I went to the NICU and, the nurse there was so sweet, and I asked her, and she said, "Oh yeah, he does." Mm-hmm. And she said, you can't see it because his mask is on. And mm-hmm. She took his mask off, and I mean, it was just like for the blaringly mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. I came home that night and kind of told Clark about my conversation. The next day, he held him without his mask on, and he looked over at me and he goes, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. And so we knew, and, and right. I don't ever feel like I thought, if he doesn't have it, we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we are lucky because he does have it. Right. That makes us not lucky. That makes us blessed. Right. Well, every child has their issues, right? Every single child. It doesn't matter if they have a genetic defect or if they have a limb deformity or some other physical you know, ailment about them, or they have some sickness that's wrong with them. Every child has something about them that parents have to deal with and work with and help them overcome, you know? And so, and that all children have their strengths too, and their, the greatnesses about them. And, and so I just think this is one of those things. It's not like better or worse, or it's just, something different you yeah. know and so I just yeah I said this in the last one that I'm like I would I would take a down syndrome child like if I had to pick all the problems out there I would pick that one you know like problems what we say I are mean problems. there are definitely some things that we're finding out that I mean Ethan for all intents and purposes is very healthy mm-hmm. you know his heart we just got uh, last week, we got cleared from the cardiologist. Nothing is wrong with him. Mm-hmm. They thought he had some high blood pressure in his lungs. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you could do that. But that's fine. Um, you I had mean, a hip thing, too. Does he have hip? Yeah, does he, he doesn't do? have hip dysplasia. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have a little bit of delay in, you know, like some muscles, mm-hmm. uh, some low muscle tone, which is very, very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but we feel like it's just a, you know, I said to his pediatrician the first couple times I went in and everything was fine. I said, I just keep thinking 
when is the other shoe going mm-hmm. to drop? <laughs> yeah. And she said, Emily, you can't live your life like that. Mm-hmm. She said, is he going to throw us some curveballs? You betcha he will. Mm-hmm. But she said, you can't live your life. You have to enjoy what you have because you have a beautiful, sweet, healthy mm-hmm. baby boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a, I'm on a Facebook page for mothers with the same diagnosis, so mm-hmm. Down syndrome, within like six months of each other. Mm-hmm. So from like uh, July to December of last year. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that people post that I'm like, yep, that's Ethan. Mm-hmm. And there are other things that I'm like, nope. <laughs> and then there are other things that are heartbreaking. You know, there's a mother that has, that lives in Kansas City um, area and their baby is in complete organ failure. Mm-hmm. Totally healthy three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's scary. Mm-hmm. We have another local lady here who her three-year-old has leukemia mm-hmm. because that's a very prominent mm-hmm. saying that with Down syndrome um, babies. So we just, we have to stay on top of things. We, mm-hmm. we have to know what we're looking for. We have to, our doctor, we feel very blessed because our pediatrician is just on the ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, sorry, I've got to plug my computer in. You're good. So, um, you know, we feel very blessed to have her. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of where we are. We're just mm-hmm. taking it a day at a time and mm-hmm. trying to figure out his needs and how to best meet those needs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back at where you were before he was born and what you felt and what you felt and what you feel now, has anything changed? Do you feel, um, do you feel more relieved? Do you feel more stressed? Do you feel... Uh, I think I feel, I know I think, I feel more, um, well, for one thing, I feel like our family is complete. Mm-hmm. You know, like before I was always like, you know, you know, another baby, and this is, this is a lot. It doesn't seem like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like, mm-hmm. it, it seems like before we were just kind of playing and now it's like real if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when we first got the diagnosis, there was a lot of unknowns. Mm -hmm. Um, We prayed for two things. Uh, On a recommendation from a friend, a childhood friend who has a a three-year-old with Down syndrome or a two-year-old with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, pray for a healthy heart and pray for strong muscles. So from the get-go, that's what we prayed for. I mean... Every physical therapist who has worked with him or pediatric or developmental pediatrician, they all say the same thing. Wow, his must he's really strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts of him, his neck, um, his hands mm-hmm. are not super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, the kid has some leg muscles mm-hmm. and some core muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try to sit him up, you know, he can sit up. His head maybe lags a little bit, but he immediately wants to stand up and he can. 
he turned over before he even left the NICU. Mm-hmm. Um, were you there? Yes. Thank <laughs> God. I, I know that was a big thing. You were like, I do not want him to turn over if I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, I would have probably had a nervous breakdown. Um, and his heart is healthy. So we feel like God answered our prayers. Are there other things we hope happen? Yes. And we pray every night for certain things. Um, but I think now is different in that he's here and -hmm. it's not maybe as scary. Mm -hmm. There are scary moments, but it's not as scary because for all intents and purposes, he's just a a regular, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's just our son. Right. Well, I think too, I think the future is always, is always scary. Like that's Mm -hmm. what's scary is the future. It's not the present moment, you know, um, even when we're in a situation, it's what we think will happen that's, that creates fear. It's not what's happening in the moment a lot of times. And so when you're pregnant and you're dealing and knowing that you're going to have all of these things that are all unknown, but you know like these are the possibilities, that could cause a lot of fear because it could be anything and you just don't know what it's going to be until you get there, right? Yeah. And so... And I- I do have some fear about the future, mm-hmm. but not like next month or next year. Right. I mean, I, I worry. I'm old. My husband is old. We're old mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Children or people with Down syndrome live to be old mm-hmm. now. I mean, it's not like they live to be 20. Right. You know, the life expectancy is like 60 something. That's mm-hmm. in some countries not don't even have that kind of a life expectancy Mm -hmm. so you know i worry for that Mm -hmm. um who will take care of him you know a lot of people have said it's not fair for william but yet i feel like it's we want to raise william to where this is what he wants to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and we hope that ethan has uh the ability to live on his own but maybe not Mm mm-hmm um, but we want William to be the kind of brother that wants to be with Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, now what we pray for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if that there you- was a reason that he couldn't, um, I feel like my nieces and nephews would very easily step up and take some responsibility until William was in a state where he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there was a girl in my ward who recently um, gave a talk and she talked about how she was the youngest, she's the youngest, I think of like six or seven kids and she's the only daughter. And I think it was her, her, it was one of either her dad's brother or her mom's brother who had down syndrome and he came and lived with them for a while. And she just talked about that experience and how awesome that was to have him in their home and how when he passed away, it was really a sad thing for their family because he had taught them so much about other aspects of life that nobody ever would have, you know, taught them. And I think too, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, we believe, I don't know if I believe that We all were like, I'm going to marry you and you're going to be my kids and all that kind of stuff. But I think when we committed to come to earth, we committed to our family that we would try and help 
and um, be there for all the members of the family, right? Whatever that family looks like. And so I know that your little William is a great little boy. And so it will be fun. He's right there. I can see him. Yeah. It'll be fun to just see how he continues to love his brother and, and just grow. Hi, and William. Got, how are you? Very loving brother. Yeah. Do you want some chips, buddy? He's like, yeah, no. All right. Well, he's up from his nap, which means if your your two-year-old is anything like my two-year-old, right? Our boys are four days apart, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm -hmm. He's the 10th. Yeah. Miller was the 14th. Yeah. yeah. How much does William weigh? Uh, 27 pounds, I think. Yeah. Miller's like 33. He's like a tank, that kid. He yeah. and He and my Lindsay weigh about the same amount. Oh, really? Yeah. She's yeah. really petite. And he's like, I tell his younger brothers, you better, his older brothers, you better be nice because he's going to pounce on you when he gets older. <laughs> well, William doesn't eat a, like a normal mm. amount, I don't think. Like he, he doesn't really like fruits and vegetables. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like last night it was like torture to get him to eat half a green bean. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm just like, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's very active, like he's on yeah. the go 24 mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I want to wrap up with one last question. So okay. it's kind of the same question I think I asked you in the last interview, but if you were to give advice to a mom who's expecting a Down syndrome child, and what would you tell her knowing what you know now? Um, not to be afraid, mm -hmm. to pray for a healthy heart and strong muscles, Mm -hmm. and to not read anything. Don't <laughs> get on the computer and start reading. Right. Um, and to realize that it's just your baby like any other baby. And I know to say don't stress, but that's just going to, that's just being a mom, I mm -hmm. think. It's mm -hmm. stressing. But yeah. it is honestly, um, we have seen so many miracles in just five months mm -hmm. that we never, ex and there's nothing wrong with not experiencing them with a typical pregnancy, baby, mm -hmm. child, but the miracles have been amazing. Mm -hmm. And we know that he is, um, all children are special mm -hmm. and all children are gifts. But you can't help but be around him and know there is something amazing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about him. Mm -hmm. And how I got blessed to be his mom and for him to come to our family, I don't know. It wasn't anything I did. That's for sure. It's probably like there was nobody else. <laughs> no one else is available. <laughs> or they're like, she needs a lot of help. We're going to send him. But, <laughs> That's not it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, it very well be. I said this last time. Uh, I was never super comfortable around special needs people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
I am drawn to them now mm-hmm. in a way I never imagined. And we see Down syndrome adults and children everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my husband's dental practice, he has since Ethan has been born, he has come home probably a handful of times and said, there was a kid with, or I get a text with a picture of him with a, a kid with a Down syndrome. And it's amazing how different your perspective changes. Mm-hmm. And for the good, I'm, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful that William can see a picture of a child with Down syndrome and say, look, mom, it's, it's Ethan. Mm-hmm. Or that my nieces and nephews tell their friends like it's a, you know, the cool thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my, my cousin has Down syndrome, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, uh, I mean, even William is like, do I have Down syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> can I please so I can get all this attention? Um, so, you know, it's, it's not anything to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any child could have something mm-hmm. go wrong or... But when you have a, a diagnosis before, it at least at least you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what I would. Awesome. Well, I have no doubt that he came to you because you are an amazing mom. Because I see everything that you do with William, and I just look at Miller and I'm like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> that's not true. You have a lot of great qualities that you. That's the thing. I know. I look at people who can cook and I'm like, sorry, son, you get a corn dog. (laughs) It's true. Every every mother brings their own strengths and their own weaknesses, and every child has their own strengths and their own weaknesses. And it's, I think God puts them together very aptly and on purpose. So. Well, I am excited to see what little Miracle Ethan keeps doing, and That's we will cute. check in it again maybe in a year, see okay, how everything's sounds going. Good. So sounds good. for his big birthday party, he gets a smash cake, and we won't do the podcast on his birthday party, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So thanks so much for being here, Emily. No All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I always enjoy birth stories, so I particularly like this interview because every mom likes a good birth story, and that was a really good birth story. Um, Just kind of seeing everything that came together and all of the tender mercies and the love that Heavenly Father showed this the Hepworth family in making sure that Ethan got here safely. And I Just think that you can really see that very beautifully displayed in this story that Emily was so generous in sharing with us. He is such a cute baby. Um, I will post pictures of him. um, If Emily, I need to double check with Emily, but I will post pictures of him in the show notes um, on my blog. And if you have any questions for Emily, I would hope that you would write to me so that I can get those to her because I will be interviewing her, like I said, at the end of the podcast when he turns a year old. And I would really encourage you to share this with anybody who may have recently got the diagnosis that they are going to have a child with Down syndrome or who is on this journey about the same time that Emily is 
because I think that as we collectively share our stories and our struggles and our insecurities and our fears and our joys and our happiness, that's what really bonds us together. And I really appreciate Emily being so vulnerable and being able to come on here and share how she really feels about this experience that she and her husband and their family are going through with having Ethan. So please share the podcast. Also, please share it with your friends anyway, because that's how we get the word out about the podcast. If you would like to leave a review, I would so appreciate that. You can even just leave a star review one to five, and you just need to go to iTunes to be able to do that. Again, I hope you all have a great week and I will be back here next week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.